What's going on, everybody? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know what it is. This is Kevin from the Chord Progression Podcast. Wishing you guys a very, very happy Thursday, January 20th. And before we jump into it, guys, this band sounds and scenarios that we have in the podcast today. This podcast covers so much range. We start out with, you know, the history of the band and really going deep into how they connect with the music they do. Then the songwriting style, show, don't tell. It is just something incredible to really dive deep into the mindset of what makes a good song and what makes a song that sticks with so many people. Then we talk about their brand new song, Stalemate. We go deep into the meaning of it. But as we go deep into the meaning of it, I'm not going to lie. All hell breaks loose in the best Wait, did I say breaks loose? Breaks loose in the best way possible. So many funny stories are had, and you better believe we're doing a part two of this one. But before we get jump into it, I want to thank our sponsors. First, Phoenix Fitness. Yes, it is January, so you might be on that New Year's resolution kick of getting, you know, back in the gym, getting in shape, getting buff like Arnold, yeah. So you're going to want to go to the gym, you know, you want to keep doing that, up, but you're going to want to make sure you prepare right, you recover right, that you can, you know, get the gains you want, become the healthy you that you want to become. That's where Phoenix Fitness comes in with different products, like their pre-workouts, both Sim and Sim Free to help fuel your workouts. I use the Sim Free stuff because I got enough energy as it is. You can also use their BCAA recovery compounds help you recover better. Proteins to build muscle for your AM, PM, and directly after your workout. Creatine to help with muscle growth as well. Multivitamins, anything you might need to achieve your fitness goals. Phoenix Fitness has through our listeners of the Corporate Podcast and the viewers on YouTube. Get 15% off at fnxfit.com using the code MSOTD at checkout. So thank you, Phoenix Fitness, for that one. And I also want to thank our sponsor, Custom Debuts. So you guys know I love all the crazy stuff I have on the walls. All my 30 Seconds of Mars posters, my Rides Against posters, my Ice Nine Kills posters, my Sign Ryan Racky one that's right above here and then the skate decks all stuff but if i want a custom poster i'm going to custom debuts and i should do that because with how much great music there was in 2021 how cool would it be to have a custom welcome to horwood poster right back there what i do is i go to custom i tell them what album i want or what song i want from what band any band you want and they will come with a custom poster for you around the album artwork or from the song as well the song lyrics and they will come up with like this proof within 48 hours that you can look at and it's like okay do you like it? Yeah, perfect. Do you not like it? You want to make some tweaks? Tell them what to tweak and they will do it for you. And when you're set ready to go, give them the thumbs up and they will send it to you either on classic poster paper, like any poster you'd buy, or you can get it as a canvas print or even as an aluminum sign to be the coolest person in your office, in your for your like your rec room, for your like anything. Be the coolest person with your own custom music poster. So our listeners get 10% off using the code CPP10 at customabuse.com. Link trips to the podcast below. So thank you, Custom Abuse, for that. And now, everyone, the first part of the podcast was sounds and scenarios. And let me tell you, it's insightful, it's incredible, and then it gets absolutely hysterical. I fall out of my chair during this one, guys. I have to go on the ground and, like, hold myself together because I'm laughing so hard. That's what happens during this podcast. So enough with me. Let's go! Oh, yeah, partner. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Chord Progression Podcast, you definitely know that we subscribe to the mantra that emo is not dead, and these guys are showing it once again. They have a brand new song out called Stalemate and a cover of Hey Jelsey by the Gin Blossoms out right now. So please welcome Tyler and Brayden from the band Sounds and Scenarios. So guys, welcome to the Chord Progression Podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Man. Thanks for being on, guys. So now that we're into 2022, how's everything going for you guys so far as we begin the year? Uh, other than COVID, fine. <laughs> no complaints thus far. 
yeah, same. I mean, kind of what Tyler said, you know, given the circumstances, you know, things are going pretty well, I think. Yeah. Also, if you think about it, it could be worse. This could be March of 2020 again. Oh, dear God, don't even get me started. I had COVID in March of 2020. So this was, of course, like before the vaccines were out, before there was proper testing. Uh, I literally, I went to the ER um, and they told me word for word, we can't test you because you're not in our target demographic. I guess their tar- target demographic was like immunocompromised and like old people or something like that. Um, so you're not in our demographic. And even if you were in our demographic, we don't even have the tests at the moment. So... Yeah, it was so shit. <laughs> Back in the day, those were the times. Oh, the, and then, of course, the great toilet paper brigade, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just remember going to the grocery store, like, the first two weeks, like, of the whole entire shutdown, and it was just that way where all the toilet paper was gone everywhere yeah. you looked. I'm just like, but what if I need to go to the bathroom? I'm, I'm, I'm screwed. I'm completely yeah, screwed. I, I'm using napkins. Yeah, I live right by a 7-Eleven, same thing. It was horrible. But at least we're, you know, in a better spot at the moment, I should say. At least we're in a better spot at the moment. Amen. Take, take the little wins, the little wins. You know what I mean? That's what, I, that's what I've taken in the past two years. Got to take Amen. away. Absolutely. Take the little wins as they come. But, I mean, over the past two years, you guys have had a chance to, you know, really work on your music with Sounds and Scenarios, especially, you know, you release your EP. Maybe someday we'll bloom back in 2021. You've got two new singles out now. So you guys have really, it seems like, from what I've seen, taken the time of the past two years with the whole entire COVID pandemic, with the shutdowns, with live shows not being a thing, and then being able to come back, you know, mid to late 2021 being able to take that time to really create music, focus on what you guys want to do with the band, and then just run with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what It was funny because back in 2019, uh, we dropped an EP called While You Roam, and we were like touring for it extensively. We were doing a bunch of like shows, not only in Boston, but also it was our first time playing in New York. It was our first time playing in like... Um, did we play in Connecticut? I don't remember if Connecticut was 20. Yeah. 2019 was our first time in Connecticut. And you know, we basically hit all the new England, like spots, all the new England States. And it was great. And so we did 30 shows in 2019, which included three tours. And then in 2020, we did three, (laughs) we did three shows. And so it, you know, it was wild to see everything kind of just happen the way it did. We were planning on, a Midwest run. We were going to hit like Chicago for the first time. Cause that was our top city at that point, uh, according to the Spotify data, apparently. So uh, Chicago, we were going to go to Chicago for the first time. We were going to hit, you know, like Pennsylvania for the first time. And it, yeah, it just didn't happen obviously. And, uh, and then after that happened, our drummer uh, who was originally from Singapore, he went back home to Singapore to be with his family Thus, basically, he exited the band, and then uh, we parted ways with our guitarist at the time, and we were, like, on the verge of breaking up. Like, we were, we, it was just me and our bassist Avery left, and Avery, of course, wasn't able to join us tonight, but, uh, yeah, Avery and I were just, like, we were confused as to where we were going to go, and I was like, hey, man, what do we do? (laughs) And he was like, well... I love playing music with you. I love that I get to work with you. Like I love that I get to work with one of my, you know, dearest friends. And I was like, yeah, same thing. So we kept sounds and scenarios going, just the two of us. Uh, dropped the Bloom EP, dropped a bunch of other stuff, including a split, uh, another single back last year called "When the Fame Goes to Die," and then dear old Brayden joined the ranks. 
a few months later. Recent and, addition, you know. Yeah, Bray- Brayden's the baby of the group at this point. Um, yeah, Brayden joined our, joined our ranks. He was on our first tour back, and it just felt right, so we hired him basically right on the spot. And uh, yeah, that brings us to now. So it, we, we were very busy uh, for basically not being able to do anything. So, <laughs> but yeah, the Bloom EP, we did that all ourselves. We were, you know, we did that all ourselves. Um, and we were, we actually recorded that EP socially distanced. Same with like Fame, like When the Fame Goes to Die. Same with the Split EP that we did. You know, it was, it was a challenge, you know. COVID brought a lot of different obstacles into what we were doing. But I, I would like to think that we managed it fine. <laughs> or at least I'd like to think we did. Well, I mean, taking a look at the, the fact that you released new music, you got, you got an EP released, and then you have new singles that are coming out as well, and you did, again, with that EP, you did it socially distanced. There's a lot to unpack there with what you just kind of ran through with what you did between the time, you know, the pandemic hit and now. So I got to jump to Braden on this one because with you not being the band until 2021, I got to ask, how did you get to, like, actually play with these guys on their first run back and then all of a sudden basically get hired on the spot to be – in sounds and snares like how did this all happen because i love stories yeah i mean i i still feel so lucky that i've had like this opportunity to meet tyler and avery the best people i've ever met and just working with them has, has been amazing but um this last august i um was working at starbucks and a co-worker i had mentioned that he was offered uh, the touring guitarist part for Sounds and Scenarios, they, they, there was a connection from another Starbucks employee that they were going back and forth that Tyler was friends so with. So really, this is a Starbucks con- conspiracy. That's really what it boils <laughs> down to. <laughs> exactly, yes. Had had a name drop, you know. But um, basically, the, the person who was originally going to fill in as a touring guitarist for Sounds ended up falling through. So the position came on to me. I was just happy to be asked. You know, I was super excited. There was some dates lined up. It, it was just, you know, at the time, like a just a touring, you know, fill in position. Um, we had a few rehearsals together. And the first time I remember meeting Tyler and Avery, it was, um, we were at the Berkeley practice space in Boston somewhere. And it, we, uh, I forget what we had to do, but we weren't able to rehearse at that place. We had to like, just, yeah, there was like, there was some like COVID guidelines where we weren't even allowed to practice in that space. Cause Avery and I were former students and Braden was the only current student in our lineup. Uh, right. at Berkeley so yeah yeah so we the first meeting it was a little a little strange a little you know stressful but we ended up making it work and I don't kind of from there I just I really felt like I could trust Tyler and Avery I just felt very close with them and I felt like a good start to something you know so started doing rehearsals some more you know everything's going well and after our first show we had in Connecticut it was like the very first show back um they asked me to join and I was thrilled obviously and I was super excited to have the opportunity as I said but I mean, that's that's just the short rundown of it. It was supposed to be just a touring, feeling guitarist, and ended up just working out that way, you know. Well, well, it was crazy too. Like when we first met, you know, and I remember telling Avery this. I was like, "Oh, we got to keep an eye on him because like something's very special about him." Um, it was like catching up with an old friend. Like Braden and I had literally never met before, but like I, we we hit it off like right then and there. Same with. Yeah, I, mean, I remember us Avery. talking on T, and it was just like boom 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 i was like wow what's going on it was on? so Crazy. natural i don't think i had ever felt like that natural with any other bandmate other than avery before so it was just yeah. really it was really wild 
Just really hitting on the chemistry right then and there. That's a huge important thing too, because there are plenty of bands out there that I mean, whenever you're gonna be see those like successful bands and get the longevity of success, there's always some form of chemistry that really sits in there. So that, you know, when it comes to working together, because yeah, when it comes to working in a band as the band grows, it is your passion is what you want to do, but also it becomes a business at that point. And you have to have 100%. the chemistry there to fully understand how to work with everybody, how to work when it comes to shows, when it comes to recording. And then if you enjoy being around those people and enjoy playing with those people all throughout that time, it makes it so much easier to handle both the enjoyment and the entertainment side of being in a band along with the business aspect of it as well. Well, what's crazy too is that, so Sounds and Scenarios as an entity has been around since 2015. And that was because I started Sounds as my solo project. I was like just shy of turning 18, still in high school. And I was, I had played in like a couple bands before, but I was just like, I, I wonder what it would be like to kind of just do my own thing. So I, it, Sounds and Scenarios started as like my solo project. And then over time I was like, it would be really nice to not just have it be me. Because, you know, I kind of get stuck in the same ideas all the time. And then that's ironically when I went to Berkeley. That's when I met Avery. And, you know, we had we had a bit of like a revolving door lineup for a bit. But, um, I, you know, the three of us at this point, we're really happy with where we're at. You know, I've never felt so, like, proud, so enthusiastic about anything like, you know, musically. So I'm just happy. I'm, I'm happy to be here, too. And, I'm, I, you know, sounds we're going into our seventh year sounds and scenarios the seventh year so i'm just glad that it's still kicking and that you know a project that i started in seven when i was 17 it was it it turned into this you know i'm just i'm grateful absolutely i think the biggest thing you said there is just enthusiasm behind it because if you're not super duper like you know all jazzed up and excited to go in and do something like this and really continue it on then, of course, you know, potentially when things come up, it could fall by the wayside. But if you have that enthusiasm, you have that complete attitude of this is what I want to do. This is what makes me happy in life. And this is what I am really happy for. Just exactly. driving it because then you have something happen like a pandemic where all of a sudden live shows get taken away and you're still excited about doing this. And it's the thing that drives you forward and keeps you going potentially in times where, you know, especially the pandemic with uncertainty, especially in 2020, early 2021, where I'm even for myself, I was sitting there just looking at online. I'm like, when am I going to get to go see a live show again? I need to get into right. a mosh pit. And I need to potentially get the shit kicked out of me or kick the shit out of some people for all the fun of it. But of course, you know, Someone falls back down, you pick them right back up, and you just keep going at Amen. it again. Yeah, uh, to touch base on um, the enthusiasm about the material, that was a big selling point for when Braden joined. Uh, Avery and I, you know, we noticed that he was just really feeling the music. We also showed him, like, a bunch of other stuff that we were potentially working on for, like, demos and stuff. And Braden was like, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. And I did. I did want to say something about that. When uh, my friends were showing me this, their songs, but when I was so I just had the the um, you know option to join as a touring guitarist. They're showing me their songs on Spotify. I was I couldn't believe it. Like I, I couldn't believe the hooks and the production. I was just I blew me away. And, and then the new stuff they're showing me, I was such a fan. Like immediately. And for me to like walk into a project and just feel so passionate about it, I've never. I'm like I've never had that with like another thing before. And so that's is really just right from the bat. Like I felt, you know, this whole thing was just very different. This is very, very passionate about it. And it's exciting to be a part of, you know what I mean? Oh, no, I, mean, I kind of want to unpack a little bit more of that as well when it comes to you, Brayden. So when it comes to the fact that you were just like super excited about this and really could get into the music as well, 
when you were growing up, was this kind of like emo alternative rock music kind of the thing that you really got you going into music was really something that you got excited for? Or how did this all transition to the point where when you started playing with sound snares, when you got to listening to them on Spotify and be able to play that first show with them before Tyler and Avery are like, fuck it, we need this guy in the band. This is it. We need it. Like, how did this all work to get you into this kind of music? That's right, a very right. accurate representation of what we said, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, I, I have um, a real long history in, like, heavy music, heavy metal, guitar music. That, that That's what I got my start on when I was, like, 13 playing guitar. I was playing in heavy metal bands in Pittsburgh and, you know, doing my own thing with that. And I've always kind of, with metal, I've always lacked, like, a certain, there's, like, a charm or, like, a hook that's always kind of missing. So I love metal. I love it. But there was always something that wasn't there for me. And I feel like when I heard their stuff, it kind of introduced what was always missing for me. Um, because it had like the intensity and energy that I always looked for with metal music and heavy music, like whatever you know you want to call it. But it had also like the knowledge that it needs like a great hook to survive, and it needs like a riff, it needs something to, like bite into. You know what I mean? And with every sound song, I heard that. Like I heard kind of what I would call like the sound I was kind of like looking for, like listening for, just like good riffs, good hooks, good lyrics, good melody, everything. And it was just kind of like a perfect combination of that. Like, I, I don't know, just all all of my listening, years of listening experience from when I was like a teenager listening to metalcore, that stuff, it kind of, it gave me a, I feel like the necessary knowledge to kind of maybe help, you know what I mean? And, and bring my own sort of thing to this. Right. It's really crazy that you mentioned that too, Brayden, because that's my exact story too. And I think that just goes to show like how you and I were basically destined to fucking play music together. <laughs> but yeah, same thing. I, I grew up listening to like Metallica, Megadeth, Black Sabbath, Queen. And I was just, I was never the shredder type, but I loved, you know, just writing out cool riffs, writing out great hooks, but it was never quite metal. What I was doing was never quite metal, but I really wanted to be a metal musician and that completely changed when i was 15 i saw all time low in concert and you know obviously you know they're kind of canceled at this point because of everything that happened with jack but uh, but you know i got it for what it was worth at the time they were the band that pointed me in this direction because i was like they're having such a great time on stage their you know their chemistry is like off the charts they have great melodies. They have great hooks. Uh, they, you know, it was, it's just crazy, you know, how you and I kind of have that similarity in that sense. Cause I, af after that, after that show, I never looked back. I never considered myself a metal musician again. So yeah, I'm, it's interesting, like metal, but not metal. Cause that's always what I try to go for. Like yeah. I, I try to have the intensity with the riffs and the drums and the energy, but I never could fully commit to metal. Cause I know that's not what I was really yeah. trying to do. You know and I mean? that's why, you know, back in 20, like in the mid 2010s too, you know, obviously like All Time Love was my favorite band throughout my high school years and stuff like that. But all of a sudden there was this boom of like heavier pop punk bands, like The Story So Far, mm -hmm. Neck Deep, mm -hmm. you know, I loved Transit. They're not heavy, but they used to be. And, um, you know, I just, I loved all of that shit. I loved like, it was angsty, it, but it was heavy and intricate. You know, I remember hearing Life's Not Out to Get You by Neck Deep for the very first time. And my mind was just completely blown because that's exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to have heavy riffs. I was trying to have great choruses and great lyrics and stuff like that. That's what I was trying to do. 
And, you know, that I basically borrowed, not not just neck deep, but I would say, like, I borrowed the story so far's element, knuckle pucks, knuckle pucks element. Um, basically, every, like, big pop punk band between 2013 to 2015, like, the Wonder Years, too. Um, I literally just took that and I was like, I'm going to write music now that sounds exactly like this. And that's basically, yeah, that's how Sounds and Scenarios came to be. That's just intense to just hear about how both of you guys had never even met until, you know, 2021. And when it came to getting the kind of music that you guys like, you basically went down such similar paths. And the reason why you connect so much of the music that you're writing now and the music that you like is based on something very similar. And what, Brain, what you were talking about when it comes to, you know, with metal, you, like, you get the heaviness in there, but there was something that was missing for you to like, kind of like sink your teeth into and really hold on to in each song and just have that thing where, when you listen to it, it's going to be that thing that just hooks you in like that. And even for myself as well, I listen to, you know, more like, you know, the, the more class metal stuff like Black Sabbath, uh, Judas Priest, listen to some of the thrash metal stuff like Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, Metallica. Even for myself, it's like, yeah, I can still listen to it, but there's something there that I just cannot really latch onto. There's got to be some sort of hook there. So like, I, like when it comes to metalcore, I absolutely love Motionless and White. Ice Nine Kills yeah. is one of my favorite bands because it just there's something to latch onto right there. Otherwise, Ice Nine like, Kills, Ice Nine Kills is Avery's favorite band too. He would have gotten a kick out of that. No, the right now in my in my list of my favorite bands of all time, Ice Nine Kills comes in at number two. Number one will forever and always be Rise Against. Yep, mm. <laughs> loved me some Rise Against. Yeah, yeah they're super solid. Oh, God, I can't wait to go see him in April again because I saw him like I was like, okay, I haven't seen him in two years. All of a sudden, 2021 hit. I got a chance to see him three times in three weeks, and I'm like, I'm not looking back from this shit. Like, I'm going, I'm going full force. This is it. They were another entry into uh, punk music for me because I was, I was more before I found like pop punk and all time low. You know, I heard bands like Rise Against, and I was like, oh, that's really, really sick because like it's heavy and it's in your face and you know political and stuff like that. But it wasn't, you know. Um, oh my god, I don't know the word for it. But it, it was just so cool for me at the time. And it was it, that was kind of like my gateway into the music I eventually would find and eventually would start writing. That was, that was the same thing with me as well with Rides Against because it was like, otherwise I was listening to like, of course it was at first, it was like, okay, what was everyone else listening to? Then all of a sudden, Guitar Hero came out, I got really into Disturbed because I love David Draymond's voice. And then all of a sudden I got into high school and I heard Savior for the first time and I just latched onto it because... Yeah, with Rising Seals and other punk rock stuff, it does have that political charge in your face, that energy, that angst, especially some of the older stuff. The newer stuff has more of this polished look to it, so it's a little bit more refined. But I think that what the difference comes in from a lot of pop or a lot of punk bands compared to Rise Against is Rise Against is just that refined thing where it's gonna have that thing that just you, la you can latch onto and brings you in. That's not gonna be so like heavily just out of tune, distorted, just angsty. It's there's gonna be some refineness there to really bring you in and actually engage you mentally instead of just yeah, Arr! something like that. <laughs> I think that's what's gonna, yeah, you go so ahead, no, 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 Braden. Braden, by by all means. Oh, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so I think like a similarity that sounds in Rise Against here, which you're like kind of pointing on, is you can feel the emotions in the vocals. You can feel like the lyrics a lot of times with metal, specifically Megadeth, because you said that the lyrics and melodies feel very like thin hollow. There's not a whole lot to unpack there, yeah. but with a, someone like rise against, I mean, the lyrics they write they're, they're you can feel when's I forget the vocalist's name. Tim Macarath. Uh, yeah. Tim. Yeah. He sings it when I mean, you write. I mean, it's, you can really feel that. And that, that's kind of what separates those kind of projects from, what I'd consider metal that I used to listen to, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and even with you kind of touched based on it, Braden. I mean, you know, something that I take really seriously when it comes to sounds and scenarios is we are very hard on our sleeves as a band when it comes to our lyrics, when it comes to the music, because, you know, when I was 15 and 16, I was looking up to bands like that who were always like, they always had a message, maybe not political, but like one of those kind of like, hey, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. I really latched onto that because, you know, uh, growing up in Vermont when I was still trying to kind of find myself and everything, uh, it was it was a little tough. So it was it was just cool to have that music basically um, there for me when no one else was. And that's what Sounds and Scenarios, or that's what we hope Sounds and Scenarios will be someday. It's just like something that, <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, right? That's <laughs> we, we just hope that people just latch on to it. Uh, I always make my lyrics, um, my, my, my philosophy as a lyricist is show, don't tell, um, because I have a lot that I want to say and I have a lot that I want to talk about with what's going on like within me but I don't want it to be like a selfish thing. I don't want it to be like, I'm writing music for me. I want to write music for everybody. And I think that's what makes sounds so special is that not only I have that, you know, mentality, but Braden has it and Avery has it. And it just, it's, it's perfect. So emotion is very, I mean, considering that we're an emo band, you know, emotion is very (laughs) important. I mean, I I remember the first time you brought that up to me, Tyler, your, your writing philosophy, the show don't tell. I've, I've said that to so many people. I'm like, you know, Tyler is with a, you know, he always says this and it, it really, it, it opened my mind. It changed our philosophy for lyric writing. I've always had such a hard time writing lyrics in that like phrase. It, it yeah, just I, really I, opened up a lot up for me. Yeah. Yeah. I took that from Scarlett Keys, man. Scarlett, uh, she was one of my songwriting teachers at Berkeley. Uh, she was also uh, Charlie Puth's personal mentor for a bit, like before he graduated and, did you know the charlie pooth thing charlie um <laughs> stoked for that new song by the way i'm really excited for when it comes out but uh but no scarlet was you know she when i first was going to her class she understood me like to a t she knew exactly which when i was going to berkeley there were times where i felt like i was the only like emo kid there you know other than like avery and like a couple other people that we knew so i always felt like i was doing something different compared to everyone else at, at school you know because everyone else you know a lot of the berkeley stereotypes are, are true in the sense of there's a lot of jazz heads there and a lot of metal heads there so i was kind of like i like blink 182 <laughs> that's, that's a very hard niche to like fit in there like it like, is you can't go around telling people that like i got i got so mad when more emo kids started coming like when i was getting closer to graduation i was like god damn it <laughs> but but uh you but no, the way though that that's what's you know what i mean i was i was ahead of the curve you know i i did my best but You're no I, here. emo is coming <laughs> Oh my God, oh, Braden, I love you. But anyway, oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, Scar- Scarlet Keys understood me like right when I was in her class because she, you know, I showed her the songs that I would be working on and stuff, and she got it and she was very like helpful with everything. Same with uh, my, one of my other professors, George Woods. He was, uh, he also knew basically what I was going for, and he kind of provided a lot of the same advice that Scarlet did. You know, just like show, don't tell. Um, write how you're feeling, but don't like be too personal about it. 
because that's, you know, and when we talk about the lyrics in Stalemate later on, um, that's something that I really tried to do with Stalemate. Um, so it's just, it's just something that's very, it, 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 it's that way it's more universal. It's that way everyone gets it. And that way I can kind of project that feeling that I had when I was, when I was younger, being like, you know, I, I like how this band is kind of like saying how I feel. So I think that makes sense. It does make sense. I think I'm going to start using that show don't tell as the, like the example or as, as the title as the full on just this is what it is is how I kind of see when it comes to when it listening to music right music why people connect with certain songs and the reason being is because when you're saying show don't tell if you want to tell something that if you want to explain a personal experience something you're not going to want to tell it word for word the reason being is because if someone has not gone through that very specific thing that you have gone through, if you go too specific, people are going to really struggle to relate to it because, oh, I can't fully relate to it because I did not go through that exact same thing. However, exactly. if you're way, way, way too broad and you're way too abstract with it, if I'm trying to follow along with the song, I don't know what the heck you're trying to talk about. I don't know where you're trying to go with it. So I'm kind of lost yeah. in space trying to figure out. But if you show me what, it's, what you're trying to say in term, by using metaphors, by not being as specific, but trying to pull out the emotion of that, what it's going to end up doing to me as a listener is it's going to have my mind boil that what you're what you're singing in the lyrics, what you're singing the song, and how the instrumentals are playing, it's gonna have me boil it down to some sort certain core feeling or emotion that the song is portraying. So what you went through personally is gonna have this core emotion to it. Myself, I'm able to take that core emotion and then relate it to my own experiences. So then mm -hmm. I connect to the song the same way that you did when you wrote it. However, we went through two completely different things, but it's that core emotion that's at the center that you're trying to show, which is what we all connect with, and that's why so many people exactly. can connect with your songs. You know, and I was a theater kid when I was, you know, growing up. And so the thing that I always heard was acting is reacting. So I would kind of say, I think musically the show don't tell thing is like the equivalent of that. Because, you know, no one's going to give a fuck if you put in like personal details about yourself in a song. You know, I hate to say it. I don't mean to be a dick, but no one's going to care. You it's know, the it, reality of it. No one's going to care as much as I do about themselves as someone else and much less from song lyrics. You got to play to who's listening and who's listening exactly. to the general audience, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cause there's a band that I recently interviewed. They're called uh, all systems go. They're from New Jersey and the song hey. they released when we, you know, them? I do. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, one of the songs they released was called The One We Ride Off Into The Sunset. It's about the lead singer and his girlfriend. It's about the time when they met up until, you know, they got engaged. And it's like in the verses, they're a little bit more specific in that. But then you get to the chorus and then it's this full on just show the emotion of like what it is to like fall in love and just really understand that. So and the long and see, that's well, a perfect. That's that's kind of how sorry, it I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, um, and that's the perfect contrast too, as a, as a coming from a lyricist perspective, because if you're talking about something that's important to you, you know, like a relationship or like, you know, something that matters to you, it's not a bad thing to like talk about it. it but what, when it gets to a point where like, it's all you're talking about in your lyrics, you know, that's especially in a chorus, the chorus if I've learned anything from my time, you know, studying songwriting, the chorus is like the most integral part. That and the bridge are the most mm -hmm. integral parts of your song. The verses is really just whatever you want to do with it. But, you know, you got to hook people. You got to find something that'll, you know, grab at people, if that makes sense. And I will, I will add to that with, and, and, and Tyler, I mean, they have just such a way of like, 
combining the personal experience with like the general experience in in a p to word and making it like digestible for everybody to like go through that experience with the song and the lyrics just really like they, they show that the, the the show don't tell it's just it's perfect perfect i've done. gone through some shit but y'all wouldn't know <laughs> you wouldn't tell no it's just so well done that just not enough praise i could not give enough praise for tyler's lyrics i'm blushing over here i really am <laughs> blushing well, and it's even kind of like to speak about that as well, the show don't tell part where you're talking about, you know, you can kind of be more like you kind of just get away with the verses kind of wherever you want. But it's the chorus and the bridging can really be the thing that people remember and latch on to kind of think about it. Think about it like a pyramid where it's going to be the most narrow at the top. Think about that. The verses is you can be that more specific. But then as you go on, you kind of get broader and broader with from the more specific to just kind of talking about it more generally metaphorically so that when people get to the chorus, when you get to the chorus and you're singing about it, yes, it's still going to relate to you personally because you wrote it, you know what it's about, you know where the emotion comes in. But for me as a listener, I'm going to take that and be able to put my own spin on it, put my own personal experiences in it, and then that's how I connect with it even more. That's the goal. That's the goal every songwriter should have, in my personal opinion. Because, you know, it's one of those things where I remember um, – when I was writing Better Off Without You, which was like our quote unquote breakout single, it was the first time we had ever gotten playlisted on an editorial for Spotify. Um, I remember when I wrote that, it was about, you know, like a toxic thing that I went through with a friend, but you would never get that from the lyrics. You could you could definitely sense like the toxicity if you read into it, but you, you can't tell who it's about. And that's, you know, I, I remember when that song was really getting around places. I remember we, you know, especially when that song first came out, I would get people to come up to me and be like, I fucking felt that, you know, I felt that because my ex was like this. I felt this because my friend was like this, like my mom or dad or whatever, like, you know, and that's, you know, I always love talking with people about, you know, the lyrics that I write and the interpretations of it, because my goal uh, is just to make sure that everyone can feel it in some way, shape or form. You know, that's kind of another, in terms of the show don't tell thing, you know, I, if you look back at old sound stuff compared to new sound stuff, it is very different because I, I wasn't doing the show don't tell thing. I wasn't doing that yet. And so I, I tried to, because I kind of, I also got that kind of idea from Soupy from the Wonder Years with his lyrics, because he would kind of talk about personal things, but it would kind of be like from a nostalgic point of view. And I tried to do that, but not as well. <laughs> but, you know, same thing with, you know, same thing with the Wonder Years. You know, you listen to them and, you know, you hear a song like Suburbia, like the bowling alley burnt down. You don't know about a bowling alley that burnt down, but you feel it, you know, and that's what's important. So. Yeah, or you can potentially even, you know, work with some of the more specific aspects that people do know, but you can create great songs, even great albums off of it just by the lyrical content in how you look at it. And I'll give you three examples. Mm -hmm. One, take a look at the Holy Hell album from Architects because if you look through it lyrically and look through it thematically, it's going through the five stages of grief from top to bottom that the band yeah. went through with the loss of Tom Cyril. But you look at it and you look at each song and they're not gonna they're not specifically referencing it, but they're de they're definitely referencing the emotions that they went through. And anyone that has gone through grief can definitely relate to it. We'll jump into 2020 with the Ghost Inside self-title album. Everyone knows that the album is a return is what happened with the bus crash and their long return back. 
and they go through it step by step emotionally, but Absolutely. you can totally put yourself into it because if you've gone through something that has completely taken you out and you've had to crawl your way back to try and, you know, get back to what you love and what you want to do, you can do that. And then their song, their first, their lead single off it, which is the final song on the album, which is Aftermath, it kind of just puts it all in a perspective and they don't specifically reference it, but it's so powerful with how they do it. Then I'll jump to We Came as Romans with their song from the first note because it talks all about the band losing Kyle Pavone. And the reason why I know it absolutely hits on the emotion because when my grandfather passed, that was a song I listened to. That was the only one that got me emotional because it talked about just what that person has meant to you and how that person has influenced your life going forward for the positive and it, i mean you knew what they were talking about but for the sure. way the lyrics and the way the song was written you can take what they went through what the song is talking about emotionally and relate it to you that's how great songwriting is done yeah i uh that, i just want to put like, in no you go oh, i just want to i just want to put in a quick side note and say kyle pavone died on my 21st birthday and i was pissed i was very upset that is one uh, hell of a little cliff note to put in there. Yeah. <laughs> not not because of like a selfish reason. It was more so just like, oh man, because I loved We Came as Romans. I loved exact I loved what they were doing, you know, with um, you know, um Tracing Back Roots. It's I feel like Tracing Back Roots is kind of a slept on record because that was just uh melodically I feel like it's their best. And it's it's a bit on the accessible side, but they were it was because like you know they they were accessible, but they were still like trying to hit what made them them in mm -hmm. the first place. And so, yeah, I I was very into Wee Car back in the day, so I I feel that. Brayden, you were saying, I'm sorry, I just wanted to throw in that personal footnote. I don't know. I think I was I was saying if if you can't connect with the song thematically, lyrically, there's no point to it. Really, I mean, there's a point to it because it sounds good, but yeah. that's what makes music like the force that it is. The universal language is being able to like connect with someone that you don't really know what specifically their experience is, how they put, I mean, what you both have been talking about. It's exactly, well, it's just, well, it's, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you even think back to like American idiot, the green day record, you know, mm -hmm. that album is a complete like fictional story about this guy, the Jesus of suburbia moving away from his hometown and going into a big city, realizing that he doesn't belong there. And a lot of other shit goes down and then he goes home. And, and that's like everyone can grab something from that you know yeah. everyone can find something in there that is like a piece of them yeah. we've all been the jesus of suburbia at one point i remember the first time i went down to boston when i was moving to the dorm i blasted jesus of suburbia in my headphones as we were coming into the boston skyline because that was i was the kid who was moving out of their hometown to go into a big city mm. so yeah songwriting is important <laughs> it's important to reach out to a lot of people Oh, absolutely. I mean, even for myself as well, there are songs I listen to on very specific occasions for very specific reasons. One that I always do is literally, I've, I've tried this every year now, at the end of, and end of New Year's, so, you know, New Year's Eve, I believe it's always, if I'm correct, it's usually 11.55 and I believe 50 seconds. I will always start playing Welcome to Black Parade by My Chemical Romance because if you do it at that time, the final chorus will hit right at midnight and yeah, honestly, there's no way to close out a year better than that. It just hits emotionally on just the fact that, you know, you went through so much, you went through so much in the previous year. Now it's time to kind of put that to a close and look forward to the future with, you know, you got 365 days to really go forward and work with the next year. That that's such fun. a, that's such a good tradition. Meanwhile, I listen to the new year by death cab and just feel sorry for myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
or I'm trying to think of a couple others. Like, and this was one that I did. So before I kind of want to jump into Stanley, but I kind of want to add this in there. I'll use Rise Against as an example. The day before I moved away from my hometown or from where I live to go to uh, Minnesota for college, like the day beforehand, I was sitting on my parents' roof and I was listening to Swing Life Away by Rise Against because that's kind of like that end of summer song, you know, winter so cold, yeah. summer's over too soon. Kind of just had that feeling of like, I was ending this whole entire chapter and ready to go into something new, but it's kind of, instead of looking forward at that point, because it was the day beforehand or the night beforehand, bringing it to a close. And then of course I'm sitting up on the roof, I'm listening to it. And then someone climbs up the ladder and it's my best friend. He just sits up there with me. Next thing I know, all of a sudden I hear the door open. Who the hell is up there? And all of a sudden, like my parents freaking, I'm like, don't worry. It's just, just me. It's, it's okay. No biggie. <laughs> Uh, so what you're saying is that your parents ruined a perfectly cinematic moment. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure we had moved on to like a different song at that point. So the cinematic moment uh, okay. actually did happen. We were probably okay. listening to something like Papa Roach or something. <laughs> parents involved in themselves though, you know. Absolutely. But because you're talking about great songwriting, great lyrical content and everything. Well, you got a brand new song called Stalemate that just released. So why don't we, we jump do. into that and really do- take a take it, you know, go on full on like high school biology class with the frog and dissect this motherfucker and try and figure out everything that went on with it. Fuck. So how about <laughs> we do that? <laughs> All so right. So first I'll, let, thing- I'll let you take this mostly, Tyler. Tyler. I didn't have too much to do with the writing process. I like to think I helped with the mastering, but yeah, it was funny because stale. <laughs> it's funny because stalemate is technically the first song that Brayden is in the band, but Brayden did not play on it because no. we had recorded it before he joined. You wouldn't know, you know, it's a little, little secret, secret so, of the trade. We that that's how we do. <laughs> that. That'd be how we do there, fam. He helped with the mixing and the mastering, kind of. Yeah. Well, you, we'll, you, you get a little bit of credit. Oh, oh so, we'll, yeah. we'll bring into that because whenever I go through a song myself, I mean, I'm going to try and go as deep as possible with it. So this is how I always Let's do, do it. it. First thing I do is I listen to the song once because, well, I want to just get a feel for it, get an understanding of kind of what to expect on it. Then I go through it like two or three more times. I pull up the lyrics if I can next to it. If not, I got to figure it out for myself. And then I'll try and figure out the meaning. Once I figure that out, what I think the meaning is, then I'll go through the instrumentals every step of the way back and forth, try and dissect them and then try and see if like, especially the meaning, I think, okay, how's this all relating to it? How's this all hooking in? How's this going to work? Then I do the same for the vocals. And then once that's over, we kind of complete all in this nice little press release style bubbles and overall, like this is what we thought kind of moment. So first thing I'm going to go to you, Tyler, is when it comes to stalemate, what was the inspiration behind the song? What's the meaning behind it? What's the core message behind it? Because I want to see if I got close. And if I got close, how close I got. All right. Grab your popcorn then. Let's go into it. I just got a water uh, bottle, so. That's fine. Hydration is key. Hydrate or dehydrate. Exactly. Um, so Stalemate, I actually wrote. Uh, it's funny because we just released it, but I wrote Stalemate um, pretty early on in 2020. I wrote it. Um, so here, so I have to kind of go into a little bit of backstory in my life. So COVID happens. Um I am instantly um, laid, not laid off from my job, but my job shuts down. I was, ironically enough, considering how we met Brayden, I was working at Starbucks. I'm telling you, there's a Starbucks conspiracy within this band. It's we worked thing. at the same store, too, by the way. Starbucks, <laughs> we did. It was like a few months apart. I had left before he had 
Like, like our store shut down. I had left. He joined onto their team when they opened back up. For how long did you guys stay open? Six months. We, it wasn't yeah, very I long. worked there from like December to like beginning of March because the store ended up closing. I got moved to a different place, but it was the yeah. same place we worked at. Yeah. So I was. <laughs> I'm t- Howard Schultz needs to fucking compensate us because of our band history. <laughs> but <laughs> we really are like the perfect Starbucks story. But uh, no, so I was working at the Starbucks and uh, the store shut down temporarily because of COVID. And I was living in an apartment that was $1,265 a month. And by that point, I had nothing. And I was about to finish up with Berkeley too. And it was a whole thing. So I ended up moving back home with my parents, which is where I've been since. And, um, you know, of course, I'm like, I'm planning on coming back down to Boston as soon as I'm able to. I, uh, I just got a job as a pharmacy tech. So fingers crossed. But uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the lawn and prosper symbolism i appreciate it how about how about that i gotta get the thumbs in there too oh god <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah no so i i had to move back home and live with my parents and it was it was hard not that i wasn't appreciative i was totally appreciative that they let me come back and stay with them like rent free i was very appreciative of that um but within me it was really hard to kind of swallow that because uh, for years, you know, because I grew up in Vermont, I was very, very determined to get the hell out because it was not a good place for me. You know, I had so many aspirations. You know, I wanted to go to Berkeley. I wanted to do music for the rest of my life. Uh, I just and Vermont was not a supportive place for that unless I wanted to move to Burlington. But Burlington was kind of expensive. And I was just like, you know, it's not for me. But I always felt connected to Boston. So that's why I went to, obviously, you know, I went to Berkeley, which was my dream school ever since I was like 10. I don't remember. I was young when I first heard about Berkeley, but, but yeah, so COVID happened. I lose my apartment. I lose my job, come back home with my parents. And a couple months into that, that's when I wrote stalemate because I was feeling really bummed about it. I almost, I almost felt defeated that I had to come home because I was, I was doing so well you know, going to college and everything. And then all of a sudden it feels like the rug has been slipped out from underneath me. Um, which of course it wasn't my fault in any way. It was because of COVID, but you know, obviously because I can't change those circumstances, it, you know, it's hard for me to accept it. So I wrote stalemate around that basically. And just how I, I just, I, you know, I missed my friends. I missed, you know, what I was doing with my life at that point. I missed shows and I was kind of grappling with my own inner demons at that point, too. And so I just kind of, you know, I just kind of wrote it around that. So kind of like in a way where it seemed like, you know, life was going in one direction. And then because of the pandemic, everything was going on, you were stuck in one place. And we kind of yeah. struggling with the fact that you weren't going forward while it seemed like everybody else was. Exactly. And, you know, and I came back to a place where... You know, the joke in my hometown is that everyone gets stuck there somehow. You know, it it really is one of those places. And here I am stuck in my hometown. And and, uh, it was hard. And, you know, a line that kind of comes up to me for that is, you know, it's been so long now and yet you're still proud of the things you should probably regret. I kind of wrote that around... You know, the mentality of I was back in the town that I went to high school in and, you know, I was still surrounded by the kids I went to high school with, you know, moving back in. And, uh, 
you know, it was just, you know, I regretted having to come up there and, but everyone else was kind of still stuck in like, you know, Oh, I went to this high school and it was great. And I just, I don't know. I hated that. I hated, I, I did not like who I was in high school. <laughs> so <laughs> I very much, you know, I, I very much, um, it, I felt lost. So I just kind of wrote, you know, that line specifically around that. And that was kind of one of the lines that when I was listening to it really stuck into me a little bit more, but when I took it, because when you're talking about, you know, like you're in one position, it seems like everyone else is going forward in some way and you just feel stuck. Again, when we were talking about songwriting, when it comes to that like core emotion, I did pick up on that. But then when I went a little bit more like into the deeper knowledge of like what I thought it was, I put this where, I, you know, this is where you, you're going to see me put my own twist on it based on my own experiences. And I'll explain yeah. why. So I put for, and I'm going to read what I wrote because I wrote a three page write up on this. So I didn't, I don't fuck up anything when I thought about the song because, well, I listen to so much music over the course of the day. I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to do a podcast, I got to write it down. Always do. So I put the means about potentially for me, what I thought it was about like a relationship or one person who might be the subject of the song has not fully, you know, moved on or really gotten past a certain point. Well, it feels like this other person has perceived to potentially move away from that relationship overall and moved on from it. It appears that the subject of the song might feel some resentment towards the other because it feels as though like that grief process of a lost relationship should be an equal process for both parties. And yes, that person might be putting up a front to seem like they're okay when in reality they still miss you and feel some sort of emotional pain when memories of you come up to them. And it's kind of all about that stalemate between wanting to move on and not let go of the memories of something you had with someone earlier on in life. And the reason why I went from mm-hmm. that aspect with it was because I go back to like 2017, the girl I was dating at the time. Like when I started 2017, everything was fantastic. Everything, like I graduated college, like a world on my shoulders, like world in front of me, everything is going well. Half a year later, everything basically collapsed. And one of the main one of the main things that collapsed was this relationship. And as time had gone on, there was another major thing that was keeping me down, which was the job I was working in was basically mentally killing me. That was actually the primary thing of it. But at the time, I thought that this was the primary charge of it. And it seemed like, you know, I was still struggling to actually like put everything together and figure out what was going on. And when I kind of like started to feel like, you know, maybe I made the wrong decision, all of a sudden it felt like she had moved on. And all of a sudden that grief process for me, it was like, okay, now I'm in this fucking stalemate where I'm not sure if to go forward or go back, like what the hell is going on. And just that whole entire mentality of it, I mean, I felt stuck in life and yeah. it's, it went down a deep, deep, dark path. And it was something where as after a certain time, it's like, I got to make some sort of a change. I got to make something happen. Exactly. And to get out of that stalemate and it, it like kind of like what you're saying, like get out of that town. For me, it was get out of this position that I'm in. And the whole mm-hmm. entire way, way I got out of that position is by doing this right here. What we're doing. This, Hell is, what, yeah. this is how it all came. This is how it all came together. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, I, and I great arc. And I'm glad that you kind of were talking about the being stuck in the position of like, you know, the, the stalemate as it were, where like you're moving forward, but you're also kind of not. And that was kind of, if you really look into the lyrics, I use both perspectives mm-hmm. in like the person who has moved on to the person who hasn't moved on. Um, and you know, that's another thing too. I, um, to kind of relate to your, I was also in a relationship in 2017 that um, t- I, it was end of 2017 until like summer 2018. And it was not a good relationship. But I was still, but I was still like, there were parts of me that missed her. And there were, there was like, it was like a, it was hard to describe. Like, and I knew that it wasn't a good relationship. I knew that she wasn't, you know, 
that great of a person. I'm not going to go into that whole spiel because, you know, it's not the right place or time. Mm-hmm. But Episode two of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we could definitely do an episode two. Don't worry about that. Pod- podcasts and scenarios. Only relationship issues to all of our past. <laughs> we can do that. I'm totally down that- with it. We can just go through our whole discography at that point, too. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, you know, and I kind of, my writing style throughout that time, too, um, up until fairly recently, was um, I was always talking about, like, that relationship, or I was in three back-to-back toxic relationships, and just, it, it, yeah, it was a doozy. And so I um, I was always just thinking to myself, you know, was I the problem? And also, like, why do I miss, like, this person? Or, like, why am I, you know, why do I feel so alone when I knew I did the right thing? And that's kind of another thing that influenced the writing in Stalemate, too. Because Stalemate, while it is primarily about, you know, my hometown and how I'm stuck in it again, um, I borrowed elements from those experiences as well, you know, just like the there's no getting out of what we used to be. Do you still think of me? Or do you feel more free? You know, and that can apply both to like, do people in my town still think about me and wonder how like things are going for me or do they not even give a shit? And also that can be applied to like, do any of my exes think that? And, you know, and that's, you know, why I make my songwriting so general is because I want it to, I want it to be like everyone can relate to it. I want everybody to like feel where I'm coming from because it's not exactly I'm not stuck on one thing or the other. It's more so just like a hodgepodge of like all this shit happened to me and I need to get it out. (laughs) So it's, you know, and that's kind of what stalemate was. Stalemate was just like a it's funny because it was my songwriting project for I was doing a directed study in songwriting. So that was just like a one on one thing with somebody. And this song was like part of that curriculum. And I he did like it. My teacher liked it in case you were curious. Uh, I was, I'm sorry. I got to remember. Like, I'm going to the bathroom real quick. I'll give you 45 seconds. Yeah, great. go for it. We'll, we'll, we'll still talk. We'll still have a great time. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, no. Anyways, that's, you know, in, in terms of the lyrics and stalemate, you know, it's, it's primarily about my hometown, but you know, it's also just like, now that I've had all these experiences, um, being in Boston and doing the stuff I've had, I've been doing with sounds and scenarios. It's kind of just like that part of me is fighting with the part of me. That's like, you know, knows where I came from. If that makes any sort of sense, you know, yeah, so it's it, kind of, it, it kind of puts you in this stuck position because the part of you, you, you know, where you've been before, you know, where you can go, Versus the part where you are right now, just because you might feel stuck at certain times. Yeah, there's going to be the stalemate between the two where it's like you're not necessarily sure what to go for. And I think a lot of people that went through the pandemic as well sort of felt that because, there were again, there were times where you didn't know what the heck was going on. So exactly. you knew where you were going. You knew what you have experienced. But there's also sense like you can't really do that. Even for myself, it was, you know, during the pandemic, it's like I always loved going to concerts, going to shows. That was my thing. But I don't necessarily resonate with that in the pandemic side of it because when the pandemic hit, it was like, okay, what can I do to basically like fix that or like take advantage of this? All of a sudden I thought, huh, there's a lot of bands out there that are not touring or not really getting together. They need to find a way to, you know, keep their, you know, fan base up and keep doing anything to kind of keep their name out in the press. Wonder if they want to do a podcast with me. And then I just like full and full force into it. So like I can, but like that's how but say when That's it comes to it, it, well, like the relationship side of things that you were talking about, like kind of throwing their stalemate with me with that one that I went through, like it just like where when I was listening to it, especially 
bring in like some more of the emo style of things like it just hits and it is human nature too from anybody when it comes to a relationship a friendship whatever it might be that has you know maybe lapsed passed on ended you kind of potentially at sometimes you know you flash back to certain memories just because they kind of pop in your head and you wonder if that person does think about you and that person that you know you were with they might be thinking the same thing too all of a sudden you know on a facebook post or like on a you know a snapchat memory or something all of a sudden it's like you see them pop i was like i wonder if they actually ever like pick this up too and like if they think about this moment or if they think about me at all kind of wondering what we're but that's just kind of human nature too so you're wondering if they're in that stalemate as well and now Brayden, i gotta jump to you on this one now that you're back so because we kind of talked about how we saw how tyler wrote it what his relationship to the song was how i kind of related to it when you were you know coming to the band and you know play with this being the first song that you didn't necessarily plan but also like mixed and mastered with the band as well how did he gets to bask in the glory Get to bask in the glory of Sandy. How did you relate to this one specifically? Yeah, I really, I, I took the lyric as, um, as a commentary on a relationship. Until I talked with Tyler, because I, you know, it was more along the lines of what you, you were saying, Kevin. And until I talked with Tyler about it, and I asked him what, you know, they actually wrote it, wrote it about, which is their hometown, and, and I really put that connection together. But what I took from it was just, I really related to my past relationships and and feeling stuck in them and feeling the need to leave and also feeling the need to stay for that level of comfort. And, and like, I, I remember first listening to the song and I mean, I, I still remember that the first time I heard that chorus with the lyrics and they, it just always stuck with me. It, it was just so those, you know, the lyrics and, but that, that is what I took from it. It was a, it was a relationship. It was what I based it off of. And that is why I think it's just, really cool about Tyler, not, not just Tally's writing, but, you know, we are talking about Tyler's writing, so I might as well comment on, you know, theirs. <laughs> um, but they have a way of just like telling their story, but, you know, offering an invitation to put your own meaning to it, which is kind of what our, we were talking about the whole night. But I mean, it's just, it really is, is the most important part of it for me. And I, I picked it up with the song like right away. And I, I, I just, I knew it was, it was going to be, it was going to be something. Well, another thing too, you know, what it boils down to is um, the genre of music that Sounds of Scenarios does, it it primarily deals in relationships. And mm-hmm. since that's the music that I had been writing for so many years, um, starting in like sophomore year, roughly of high school, you know, that's, it, it's just one of those things where that's always just going to be a part of me. So even though like I'm writing about one thing, I'm talking about another, you know, it reminds me of... Um, not to go off topic with the lyrics, but there's another song in our catalog called Seattle, which is the opening track of our EP, Maybe Someday Will Bloom. Uh, that is actually a song about COVID-19, but you would never get that because I disguised it through the lens of a long distance relationship. 100%. And- I can confirm that story because I had no idea what it was about. And I thought it was a long distance relationship until Tyler... And then, yeah, so once you start kind of like looking into it, you know, there's a couple lines, um, you know, it's all too late now. The distance keeps on growing. You know, I was talking about the social distancing. Will we ever come back down from this wave before it's crashing? You know, the, the lingo for COVID at that time was, oh, we're entering a fourth wave of COVID. Of course, now it's all about variants. But at the time, it's like, oh, we're in this wave and that wave. And then, of course, Seattle it was actually the first spot where COVID was in the United States. Uh, that was like the first uh, recorded case. So rather than turning, rather than, you know, talking about Seattle as this place where, oh, that's where COVID happened or whatever the hell, uh, I wanted to make Seattle kind of like this escape. 
you know, in the, so in the chorus, you know, it's like, meet me in Seattle when the world starts to die. We can have a drink or two and act like this is paradise. That's just, you want to, you want to escape with the person that you're with and watch the world burn, basically. Just, and yeah, everything's going to shit, but you're with that person. Um, I know that. When you explain that to me, that, that, that just really spoke to me. I, I remember when you explained yeah. it to me, that was, that was something. And, it, and it's the same thing with stalemate, you know? I mean, stalemate, um, it's one of those things where I tend to write a lot from the perspective of having rose-colored glasses sometimes. You know, am I throwing away a good thing? Am I, you know, is the grass really greener on the other side? And that's a lot of the language that was in Stalemate. Because um, Stalemate was a song, you know, we had, like I said, we had just released it. But Stalemate was a song that we, I had written back in, I think it was like June of 2020. And uh, it was originally going to be on the Bloom EP, but it didn't make the cut. Then it was going to be on our Split EP, but it didn't make the cut. And then it was going to be like we were we didn't really know what to do with it so we kind of shelved it then we brought it back to life we reworked it we thought it was going to be like on the new ep that we're going to be that we're kind of working on right now that didn't happen either <laughs> and so uh all of us were just kind of like all of us were kind of just like fuck it we're gonna release this song with like a gin blossoms cover because fuck it why not it yeah, was actually it, it was going to be a, a google dolls cover we were originally going to cover name and then I went through a hey jealousy phase, and I was like, "Yo, <laughs> yeah, what if we did that instead?" It's like we're doing goo No, 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 no. This is what I'm listening to right now. We're covering this. No, okay, but to be name is a banner. I love name. I love goo dolls in general. Yeah, kidding. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of you know, in terms of stalemate, you know, I, you know, it's all about you, it. I look at things like through the lens of like how emo writers write. Um, you know, and they kind of tend to write a lot in the relationship aspect. And I like to kind of like sneak in my own like stuff in there. And that's, you know, you look at basically any of the stuff that I've written over the last two years, three years, and that's basically what you get. Every single song has a story and that's, you know, stalemate is kind of the one song in our most recent catalog that doesn't necessarily have a story behind it more. So just like I fucking hate my hometown and I'm still sad about my exes. So I'm going to mesh them together. And that's the song. And yeah, you're not gonna go through that classic like pop. I'll say you're not going that classic like pop punk emo thing where it's just like, and I hate this fucking town. It's like, nah, no, you're not gonna put because that in everyone's written about how they hate their town. It's not new. <laughs> if I wanted to listen to Man Overboard, I would listen to Man Overboard. God damn it. Or if I wanted to listen to All Signs Points of Lauderdale by a date, remember I would do that because it really starts too. out with "I hate this town, it's so fucked up," <laughs> or something like that. All my friends don't give a fuck. That's literally how it starts. Yeah. Not gonna lie though, that song is fucking fun to see live because that's when all the toilet paper gets thrown in. You get to have True. a shit ton of fun with it. True. Honestly, a lot of the stuff from "What Separates Me from You" translated really well live. The first time I, I've seen a date, remember twice. Uh, the first time I saw them, they did better off this way from what separates me from you and they had a t-shirt cannon with like a mascot guy <laughs> oh it was fun first time i saw him with better off this way i've only i've seen him three times i've only seen him play better off this way once and that was their crowd surfing the crowd surfer song now they do yeah. it with one of the newer ones but they always do all science points lardale and there's always toilet paper flying of course mm -hmm. second sucks comes in well actually because you're kind of talking about the relationship thing about like especially kind of like how with emo music and especially how stalemate kind of alludes to that as well Funny story about that and how Dan Remember kind of brings that into it. 
I was at a date remember show. This was in early October of 2021. And I was in the mosh pit. Already had broken my finger at that point. Was still going hard because, of course, you know, why the hell not? I forgot what song it was, but all of a sudden, like, I was kind of towards the right side of the pit. And I got knocked towards the edge. And I'm just, like, having fun around there. All of a sudden, the song ends. And I turn to the side, like, just, like, kind of just turn, like, to the crowd, like, not looking at the pit. And all of a sudden, like, there's these, like, two girls there. I'm like, okay, you know, like, I smiled at one of them. And all of a sudden, we literally had this moment where it was like, huh, what? And it was my ex-girlfriend from the story I told about. At least uh. I thought about. And I was like, I haven't, and I hadn't seen her in four years. I'm like, no fucking what? And right as I'm about to say no fucking what, all of a sudden, so next song starts, and I just get rocked from the side. <laughs> Could not see that person the rest of the show. I'm like, That's pretty I don't great. know they That's would, but I'm just story. like, that is just hysterical right there. And also because the day remember was her favorite band. So I'm like, this is just way, way, way too wacky of a whole entire day. But it was funny as hell. Just that, wait a minute. Boom. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> that has the same energy of um, Warp Tour 2017 when I went. Uh, I ran into, or no, not 2017, Warp Tour 2018. Uh, I ran into a bunch of like one of my ex's friends and I was, and it was like during like, I think Mayday Parade or some shit. I really don't remember. And I ran into them and I was like, holy fuck, I forgot you existed. And I was like, how are y'all doing? Emotion just coming up. just And, and oh. they were like, oh, we're good. And I was like, oh, well, how's my ex? And, she, and they were both like, oh, I don't know. We never talked to her anymore. And I'm like, excellent. <laughs> I do. <laughs> how all this shit comes like w- randomly full circle just from everyone that loves music because we've all been in these situations before and it's just all the wackiness of it it's it's honestly beautiful but and of, and of course i had to run into my ex's friends at fucking uh mayday parade of all places yeah, yeah mayday, <laughs> mayday parade one of the bands that invented depression for uh, for millennials <laughs> I heard that like two years ago and I just started laughing hysterically when I heard it. I'm like, I am using that forever now. <laughs> it is correct. We, um, our bassist, um, he, Avery has this t-shirt that says, uh, Mayday Parade is an emotion. And in the Better Off music video, you can see him wearing that. And it's still a correct statement to this very day. <laughs> oh, and that is very- like an iconic T for Avery. It is. Yeah. An- Avery, has, Avery has like an iconic uh, fashion sense. In in a way, he. Uh, I, I yeah, I'd say so. What's the his new outfit? Really, they always get me. What's his new outfit that he wears? It's the all assholes live forever or something like that. He has that t the hoodie. Oh oh my god! No, I remember. There's one with the. Well, I know there's one with a dog on it, and then yes. I know the, the green checkered button up with the bandana. That's my yes. favorite, personally. <laughs> Avery yeah, is a man of many mysteries, and we love, love Avery. Just, just bring it all full force with Avery just being the man. It's just like, 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 uh, just like, oh yeah, he's there. Don't know what he's doing right now, but he's just, he's there. But look at that, that outfit, my god. That yeah, that's well, no, Avery. Avery has like a lot of interesting stories about like his childhood that just randomly come up at times. Like, <laughs> oh, I learned something new every time. Same <laughs> with them, like. I remember when we were first becoming friends, he told me, he was like, oh, I have two black belts in martial arts, and I went to study with monks in China. And I was like, no, the fuck you didn't. And he was like, no, true story. And I was like, you are now my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that info when I was in the backseat of a car. For our first week, I'm like, 
oh, I feel safe now. I feel it's, yeah. <laughs> Avery is the kind of person where you want him to back you up in a fight. Because let me tell you, oh, he yeah. is small, but he is fucking deadly. He will kill you with one swipe. I Get wish I was yeah. kidding. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep a mental note that when I get to see you guys from live for the first time, that I'm not going to try and like mess with Avery at all because I do not want to experience certain death. It's hard to piss off Avery, but um, oh my god, I can't think of anything that really grinds his gears because we we haven't traffic, seen him like huh? air tire traffic tire pressure. Oh yeah, <laughs> no that was that was Avery at, that was Avery at his mildest the the fucking Long <laughs> Island trip. Yeah, no that was that was fucking mild for him. <laughs> Oh, dear God. I, I feel like we're going to have to do a second podcast to make sure Avery's on it. And I want to oh, see either that sure. like green shirt bandana combo or the Mayday Parade is an emotion t-shirt on there. Because I have a chance to go see Mayday Parade in March when they're coming to Milwaukee. And it's like, I could be mm-hmm. all there full of my emotions. Or I could drive two hours north. And instead of being full of my emotions and being like, this is Mayday Parade, I could be full of my emotions. And just knocking the hell out of people in a mosh pit because... It's kill switch engage and August burns red and light the torch. Who wants to miss out on that? Oh man, that is that is quite a that's a quite a decision. That that reminds me um, that oh, all time low show that I was talking about earlier. Um, it was around the same time frame as a kill switch engage show that was also coming to Vermont. So my life could have had a completely different trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> I had something similar with that too. This is from a different, like different trajectory and how a show basically changed it where there was this girl that I was hanging out with and she wanted me to go to this Halloween party with her two days after Halloween because it was on like two days after November, it was on a Saturday. And I was like, I really don't want to go because I already bought a concert ticket for that night. And my whole purpose was I want to go see Howard Jones perform because I've never seen him perform before and he's opening yeah. on this show. And I was working the whole entire day and I'm like, do I even want to go show? Or do I just give in and go to this party? It was my mom that told me, she's like, no, you bought the ticket for that show. I know you want to go to it. Just go to it. Okay, I'll go. I dragged myself there, saw the band that opened up. I'm like, okay, you know, I've actually interviewed that band before, which is kind of cool. Then I saw Howard Jones for him. I'm like, okay, you know, I, 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 this is fine. Then Fit for a King goes on and I'm like, oh, this pit is fun. Now it's just to see <laughs> who comes up in headlines. A band that I've only ever heard two songs of theirs each one time and in my mind i can't remember who they like what the songs were who they were what they're about nothing and that was the first time i saw ice nine kills yeah and that just took me off like whoa <laughs> i thought for a split second you were gonna say knocked loose and that would have also been a correct statement i <laughs> know i have the first time i've seen knocked loose will be on april 29th of this year they're fun i i remember seeing <laughs> i'm preparing for death I saw Knocked Loose right before they blew up. Not to sound like a fucking hipster dude, <laughs> but no. Warped okay, Tour twenty. 20- Shut the fuck up, Brayden. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw twenty. I in twenty sixteen Warp Tour that I saw Knocked Loose because they were on the full sale stage, or was it twenty seventeen? I think it was actually twenty seventeen. Uh, they were on the full sale stage, and it was like right when Laugh Tracks had dropped, or like a few months after, or whatever. And there were, like, I think at most 30 people in the audience, and, like, only, like, three people were going hard. And I was like, something tells me that this is going to change in the near future. (laughs) (laughs) And now Knox Loose is literally, like, the biggest heavy band, like, 
right now. So yeah, they're doing headline. They're gonna do a headlining run in like March and April. I'm like, I want to go mm-hmm. see this, and all of a sudden, it's like, okay, they're coming to Milwaukee on April 29th. Yeah, I'm gonna probably die at that show because well, yeah. it's gonna be ridiculous. And plus, I'm the kind of person where it's just the show starts, a pit forms, I'm there. The only yeah. time I leave the pit will be in between sets because maybe I want to go get a drink, go take a pee, something like that. But once the music starts, if that pit's going, I am not out of there. Even if I'm dying dead, feeling my like crap, I am still there. Hell, went to go see Rise Against at the end of the year in 2021, and I was feeling horrible the whole entire day, like whole entire week. Mm-hmm. I woke up from a nap just like before I was going to drive down to Chicago. My legs were completely like exhausted, dead, achy, couldn't even move them. Right. I somehow decided like I was I was so close to deciding not to just skip just to skip the show. I'm like, no, I'm gonna drag myself there. Drag myself there, tired, still dead. All of a sudden I'm in the middle of the crowd, rise against go down. They start with pr- they open with prayer of the refugee. Oh, right when they hit the well, first dude, right when they hit the first note, I swear to God, the pain in my legs, the achiness in my legs went away. The thought that I'd be feeling sick crazy just shit. went away. And I'm just like it was really like a deadpool moment like Hello, superpowers. Like, this right. is going to be fun. All of a sudden, that first chorus hits, and there's already the pit opening up. I'm like, I was staying in the middle of it already. I'm like, let's fucking go. Just throwing people around. I'm like, this is great. Did not leave for the whole entire thing. So, with Knock Loose, with any any band that has a pit, you will see me there in the pit. I won't leave. Just mm-hmm. can't do it. It's not my DNA. Just out of curiosity, what's everyone's, like, scariest pit moment? Ooh. Brayden, do you have one? I do. I'm going to need a second. Okay. I've already got my story in mind, so I'll go first. I'll go second because I got mine. Let's do it. Um, I saw this was probably the weirdest lineup I think I'd ever seen. It was Every Time I Die, Real Friends, Counterparts, Brigades, and Gatherers. If y'all remember Brigades or Gatherers. Um, So Counterparts, and mind you, this is in Burlington, Vermont. It's like... It's, it's like the biggest area in Vermont, but it's still basically buttfuck nowhere. And so, um, but like it was a sold out show, bunch of pop punk and hardcore kids were there. I was like 17. Um, and so Counterparts goes on and it is, the, <laughs> it was right when Tragedy Will Find Us dropped. And it was the scariest shit I think I'd ever seen. I got climbed on twice, literally climbed on. Some dude did a fucking running start like ran up my back and climbed on me and i was like i am a minor sir (laughs) please don't do that um that happened and then i got i got punched a couple times but i mean it's counterparts so that's expected Mm -hmm. um so that happened and then every time i die goes on uh well actually no real friends goes on first all they do a good set and then all the pop punk kids leave after real friends And all of a sudden, it was just like this swarm of sweaty, millennial, (laughs) hardcore dudes, like, thrashing around. And it only meant one thing. Every time I die, I was about to play. (laughs) And um, when I tell you that I did not realize how hard Vermonters went for every time I die, I truly did not expect it. Uh, (laughs) Like... The, the fucking security guy, I was talking to the security guy being like, oh my god, I've never seen anything like this before. Security guy gets shoved into a merch table. I'm like fearing for my life because like I'm getting like PBR rained down on me. I'm getting, I'm 17 years old and this is like my first like heavy show. And I'm like, 
fucking crying. <laughs> I literally, uh, big, big wuss moment, but I literally had to text my mom and be like, can you come get me? <laughs> I would have I was texted so her fucking... way sooner. So. Oh, I, I was <laughs> fucking horrified. Yeah, I pro- in hindsight, I probably should have done that when Counterparts went on and the dude <laughs> fucking, like, used me as a Stairmaster. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Life has its fucking ways. <laughs> yeah, it does. Alrighty. So, I want to do two parts to, to my story because it happened at the exact same festival. One was scary moment, like the scariest pit I've ever been in. And the other one is the scariest moment I've ever seen in a pit, but then how we reacted was just beautiful. So, both happened at the 2021 Blue Ridge Rock Fest out in Virginia. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yeah, I was there, and uh, I have a whole podcast out on everything we went through because we were definitely a part of a lot of the shit that happened. I'm just going to mm-hmm. leave it at that. So Friday, so it's Friday, the second day we're there, and I've been in the mosh pits every day. Like for, I was in there all day Thursday going crazy for Ghosts Inside, a day to remember. Now Friday's there, I'm going crazy, everyone. And I was basically the one like basically going absolutely crazy for Rise Against. After Rise Against was going on, um, on one of the, one of the, like, the other stages – motionless and white was playing and i've seen motionless and white before twice or twice before this moment and every time i've seen them i always find their pits to be it's actually pretty dangerous for the sole purpose of they're large there's not as many people in them as i'd expect so there's a lot of space to work with so when you get hit i mean you're going flying now it's dark out Motion's white's going on. There's a lot of strobe lights, a lot of purple lights. There's a lot of big dudes in the pit, and I'm not I'm not small myself. Like I'm I'm holding my own. But when you can't see people coming through, when you got strobe lights and purple lights in the dark, you got like dirt being kicked up. Every hit, I mean, you're falling down. It's not easy. on top of that. Crowd surfers were coming every like at any given instance, and they were, were not being like diverted away from the pit. So we had one guy that was the mosh ref. He had this referee shirt on, referee face man. He was blowing his whistle, trying to be like trying to get people like move away. But as people were coming in, like from the crowd surfers, he was blowing his whistle so we wouldn't drop them so that they would be you know moved to safety. So we actually took care of it. But just the dark, like the amount of like strobe lights that were going on, the purple lights. Every time I've seen Motion White, the pit has always been, like, one of the more dangerous ones I've ever seen. That one was the one that is still, in my mind, the most dangerous. However, because I brought up the Mosh Ref, two days later, day four, and, I, and, and, and day three, I saw I was in the Lamb of God pit, too. And that was just something else. But that yeah. was not as dangerous as Motionless and White's based on just the space. Because with Lamb of Gods, you, again, it was dangerous, but you had so many people in there where the hits weren't as hard because every time you got hit, you bumped into somebody else and you were staying I up on your feet. Cars, they were kind of like just together. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So now it's the fourth day and we came as Romans is playing. Oh, yes, I'm going to throw oh, it So they're playing. I'm in the pit. I'm having a blast. During their final song, during the final breakdown, this one guy jumps in and is going full-on karate kick punching, like crowd killing as crazy as possible. He did the same thing the day before for Beartooth, and the mosh ref stopped him at Beartooth and basically like we kind of something Avery would do. (laughs) We kind of we we kind of we kind of removed him from the pit area for that one. But now it's day four. It's we came as Romans. He comes in, the mosh ref goes up to stop him, and this dude just full-on punches the ref in the face drops him on the ground and at this point like i'm on the other end of the pit so i quickly pivot to turn around to go after this guy because i'm like you just what the fuck are you doing over here by the time i even turn around 
there are 20 other guys going after this this crowd killer. They drive him in the barricade, and I will sh- I shit you not, we're beating the ever-loving fuck out of him. Because you don't do that. Are you kidding me? We, we told you don't, don't do this the previous day. And then you punch the ref in the face who's been helping everybody out. No, no, no. We're taking you out. Security comes over, disperses all the people in the pit, takes the guy that was the crowd killer, and just haul him out of there. I, I have a follow-up question about the mosh ref. Yes. <laughs> Words I thought I would never say. Um, did he throw down penalty flags whenever he saw some fuck shit go down? Um, no, he pretty much broke up anytime any fuck shit. He did not have penalty Wasted flags. Wasted opportunity. Him. Like a thousand penalty flags. You just toss yeah. them all around. We need yeah, but- some like NFL level shit from this yeah. guy. Yeah. Only other good story I have from that one is our, our crazy story from Pitt was falling in reverse pit. It was the last y'all seen at uh, Blue Ridge. And they played Poplar Monster to end the set. And I love Poplar Monster, so I'm going to go nuts with it. We did the wall of death for the breakdown. And of course, when the wall gets going, <laughs> I'm yep. the only one for my side that goes. So now it's a whole entire wall versus me. They left you out to dry like that. They left me out to dry, and I flew. I oh. went flying. Everyone was toppling over me. I had my hands like this. I'm like, I just don't want to get my neck fucking, like, broken or something. All what? of a sudden, I'm down there for, like, 10 seconds, like, wondering, is someone going to, like, help me up or anything? Then I realized they were helping everybody else up because they were all, they was, like, they were going to go, like, one to the next. Like, they're just trying to help everybody up, but they couldn't get to me because there were so many people around me. I was just basically, like, the last one they were going to end up helping. I'm like, oh, okay, I got this. No big deal. It's fine. Oh, man. But I literally just went flying, so... I just, hopefully we'll see what happens on the 25th because I'm going to go for it again. Carry oh, yourself out there. Braden, Braden, I've already broken your, a your... finger in the pit. I'm not going to care for myself. Can't go back. Yeah. <laughs> and still went back and kept going. Uh, Braden, what's your, do you have a scary pit story? Well, I've got, it's a little bit of a, so not like a necessarily scary pit story, but I have some, some scary stories, right? So I'll tell you one little thing. Little, so I was at a, it was Rock on the Range, 2017. It was Columbus, Ohio. And Metallica was headlined last night. It was like a three-day festival. My dad and I went. It was like my birthday right. present, right? Mm-hmm. And we're there waiting to see Metallica. And we're waiting out probably in the main stage for like two hours. And Volbeat's the opener. And right before Volbeat comes on, it starts pouring. Like torrential downpours, thunder, lightning, hurricane warnings, the whole thing. So we're in like the middle of nowhere in this like stadium of like 50,000 people or something like that. And we're maybe like 150 people back, something like that. So we're there and we're getting like these alerts on our phones that like there's like a hurricane warning and that like we should be evacuating. But because there's like just 50,000 people general admission, like how, like, where are we going to go? Like, this is what everybody who is at this festival been waiting for all weekend. So you can't whatever. So we're all just like staying there for like an hour and a half, two hours in like, dark like rain like heavy heavy rain and i i just remember like i don't know if i was gonna make it out of that i was cold then i remember i, I wanted to leave so I, I ended up just like crowd surfing to the front and then i and then my dad and i skedaddled that was like that was a rough concert story not really a pit no i, I have a different story that's like kind of a different vein this was when when i was 15 and i was my first like metal band hangwire right we we got the opportunity to do like a Pittsburgh battle of the bands. Oh now, man. Oh boy. Now who knows how legit this was, right? But we were there and we were playing it. We got to the second round and it was judged by audience cheering. 
like they'll at the end of the night you know all the bands who played they'll say the name and the audience cheers <laughs> oh so it's rigged <laughs> it's <laughs> what you're saying this is what i'm getting to the only reason that my band won it's because my mom can just throw her voice and just fill the room so thank god for her but after um there was a couple like five other bands maybe that night that were like really in the running and the band that went on before us they were like a pretty established like pittsburgh band like you know all maybe like 30s 25 year old people they had like a whole roadie whole crew shirts merch like way past our level that my 15 year old band was and, and they were at a battle of the bands exactly makes you wonder okay. right yeah but so we end up winning and i'm all excited i'm just like talking to the crowd saying hi and then this lady comes up to me who i assumed was with oh no i know she was like the wife roadie whatever someone of someone in the previous band who was like neck and neck with us whatever you want to say and she came up to me and she like shook my hand she brought me real close and she goes i just want you to know you suck and you didn't deserve this <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is what was said. I just want you to know you suck. And you don't deserve this? (laughs) They said that to a fucking kid. I was a child. My mom's standing next to me and I like look at this lady and I'm like, are you nuts? Like, what are you doing? Whatever. Like, that just happens. I'm like kind of yelling at her. I'm like, fuck you. Like, whatever. And other members of this entourage this band um they're throwing chairs at people in the audience and the security's kicking them out while this is happening at the front door the security's kick dragging out people of this band because they're throwing fucking chairs <laughs> because some 15 year old bands like won the pittsburgh battle of bands it was crazy it was crazy <laughs> We lost to two fucking high schoolers. Uh, that really, it, it reminds me of the fucking show I was talking about where the, every time I die, all the pop punk kids disappear and then all of a sudden the fucking angry, like, millennial <laughs> hardcore dudes. <laughs> it was like that. It's a wave. It was like. I wonder, I wonder where they're at now. They're probably blowing up. They're probably huge. <laughs> They're, pro- they're probably still know. playing Pittsburgh Battle of the Bands, honestly. <laughs> yeah, probably. They haven't won yet. They're still trying. Or, or maybe, they, maybe they got banned from doing it ever again because of uh, their their Bobby Knight impersonations were not on par with the chair throwing because, you know, he at least they know who Bobby Knight is. I mean, we don't even know what the name of this Pittsburgh band is, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't know their name. We'll just, they're probably this band. You know what I mean? Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> They were probably so, so disgruntled from that night. They couldn't bear. Oh to my god! Show. Probably. <laughs> Ironically enough, this reminds me of a funny fucking story. For um, back when I was a theater kid, I did a production of Greece in a Catholic town, and for some reason, your story is reminding me a lot of this. Was there up, up, an uproar? Why, Only why? Was from there a parent. Why was there a kissing scene and the parents are throwing chairs? Like this is a Catholic yes. town. We can't take this. Yes. No, actually, we had a makeout. <laughs> I shit you not. So we had a makeout bench. And of course, we were like high schoolers. So we were stage kissing because you. But. <laughs> <laughs> you no, no, but like fucking um, there was a what there was this parent um, of the daughter 
I can't fucking talk. There was this parent and their daughter was playing Frenchie one of the show nights. And that parent literally on the day we're supposed to do the show, it's the last day of the fucking show of the show. We did the show for like a few days last day. And the parent goes backstage with like a list of demands and gave it to the director. And one of them was, you need to get rid of the makeout bench because makeout making out leads to teenage sex, which leads to abortion. I shit you not. <laughs> the cops were called that day. That I it. wish I was kidding. That's a succession. <laughs> it's a <laughs> one day you're bench kissing, you know. And then... One day you're bench kissing. Next day you're getting. <laughs> you're waiting. I... Waiting room. Oh my god! And meanwhile, while that parent was doing that shit, the girl who was playing Frenchie was going around like fucking. You're all, like all the girls in the fucking girls' uh, dressing room. You're all fucking sluts for doing this show. <laughs> <laughs> Made all the fucking girls cry. We have to delay our show by thirty minutes because we're trying to get everybody composed. <laughs> what the fuck? And then the parent will like, like, oh my god! After the show was done, we we changed the shit. We got rid of the stupid bench. Whatever. <laughs> We. <laughs> what the fuck ever. Oh, another problem. I was supposed to get pants. My character was supposed to get pants in the show, and they were really insulted by that. And I was Not like, and I was like, I'm insulted because I'm 16 and I'm supposed to be getting pants in front of adults. But that's just my opinion. But, Apparently, uh, it's too risque. Yeah. yeah. So like, after the show's done, the parents go outside. They're like, that same parent who did the bullshit is freaking out. One of the other mothers goes up and puts their hand on their shoulder and was like, hey, you need to calm down. It's going to be okay. You just assaulted me. I'm going to call the cops. <laughs> the cops came. What? They called no. the fucking cops. No. We had to lock down the theater. My mom was texting me being like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, I don't know, but I hate Catholics now. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know why, but your your chair throwing story and shit just reminds me of that irrational uh, anger. Yeah. Imagine being so mad at kids. Imagine, imagine being, so being mad that like a shitty high school band won because their family came, and you have such a bruised ego that you're actually offended that you didn't win. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Tyler the. The reason why I couldn't hold my in like any sort of like laughter in that is just the sheer fact that I went to Catholic school my whole entire life except mm. for college. So right. just like being able to relate to that every step of the way is just so on point. It and here's my thing. I have I have nothing against people who like have their own like set faith or whatsoever, you know? It, it you know, if you want to believe like what you want to believe, go for it. I'm mm -hmm. not going to judge you. I'm not going to tell you what to fucking do. But man, we were just 16 and 17 year olds trying to put on a shitty production of Grease. Like <laughs> the last you can, the last thing you should do is just protest that. We had a we had a crowd of no more than 50 people. Like each night, no one cared about this show. Who, we just wanted to do it. Huh? Um, I said, who, like, who is this hurting? Like, who are you pro- yeah. Like, yeah, that's- Nobody, yeah. except for the parents of the kids in the cast. <laughs> no one fucking cared. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Holy shit. <laughs> oh my- uh, Guys, I'm just gonna say this right now. We're definitely gonna need to do a second podcast because this is fucking hysterical. Let's do it.
I have a. I, I feel a lot more stories coming through. We we gotta we gotta yeah definitely. Oh, we have our we have our own show stories for sounds and scenarios. We got a we got an arsenal of shit. So definitely well, let's. Get well, it. well, how about let's this? Because we're about an hour and a half into this already. <laughs> so how, how about how about this? We call this one part two, part one, and we do part two a little bit later in 2022. We bring on Avery, and then we bring in, like, you know, got another song. We can kind of talk about that a little bit, and then, you know, bring in all these crazy show stories once again. But mm-hmm. And also bring in Avery, too. I got to say it again, because I feel like that's just going to add even more to it. Oh, Avery has more shit than any of us <laughs> combined. <laughs> like- that would be, like, a six-part series of, like, yeah, that's going to be great. We're going to make a whole fucking saga. It's going to be, it's going to be the new Star Wars, except like, it's no one's. uh, Avery's Adventures. That's what it is. Avery's Adventures. Yeah. Avery's Adventures in this film. Everyone's going to be like, what the fuck is happening? And why is there a six part series on this fucking local band? (laughs) Because it's hysterical. Hey, if, 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 I'll put it this way. If I get a band that's going to end up making me remove my chair and laugh on the floor hysterically. I want them back on the podcast. I'm not sure if I've ever like full, I just like had to like crouch on the ground and just start laughing. hysterically. <laughs> I have had those moments where I fall out of my chair with bands like modern day escape because those guys are freaking hysterical. Along came a spider and, uh, uh, God, is it empty? Yeah. Empty. Just, you guys are already up there in like the lore of this. So when it comes to promoting this podcast, it's going to be just like, yeah, Talk about a lot of great stuff, but then this like last like half hour is just pure insanity of the best. So so much for promoting our new double single, Stalemate and Hey Jealousy, out now on all streaming platforms. <laughs> well, well, how about this? Because I remember we didn't go really through the instrumentals or the vocals or anything, but one thing we'll do to close out this podcast before we do the whole entire goodbye series, that kind of stuff, is I got my little like press release overall kind of paragraph of what i thought of the song so let me share it with you guys right here overall when it comes to an emo song in 2022 sound scenarios is taking their idea of emo music like a lot of influence from like the mid 2000s and bringing it right back to life the rougher emo style guitar is prevalent here to really add to the emotion of stress from dealing with the grief and pain of a broken relationship or feeling stuck but the softer parts of guitar in the verses help this emotion build so the chorus pops you with the reminder of what is really causing your anxiety in this and then the vocal style from tyler being more straightforward on both the verse and the chorus really work well to set the tone for the verses and the anxiety build for the chorus to show us where your troubles and where your anxiety is really coming from in this specific instance if you've ever been in a relationship or felt stuck in a relationship that has made you feel if you're like the other person not sure if they're still feeling the sting of the breakup as you still do this song will put that anxiety into a tangible sound and a tangible emotion for you thank you kindly oh it's wonderful and that's how we sum up stalemate by sounds and scenarios but guys as we bring this podcast to close one thing i always like to do is give you guys a chance to say whatever you want to say plug whatever you want to plug promote whatever you want to promote at the end of the podcast so guys the floor is yours Brayden, you got anything you want to say? I just want to say I love these guys. Love Tyler. Love Avery. I'm so, so thankful that they let me into their, into the little world and I'm able to, I don't know, bring something to it and just, and just be a part of it. I'm just so happy. I've never been more excited about our project. I couldn't be happier. And, and we're happy to have you. Oh, wow. This is just such a great time. It's just, it's been, it's felt like a dream since I joined. A little cliche, but 
it's accurate, you know. It's hey, cliches are only cliches because they're true a lot of the time. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, in terms of promo shit, stalemate. Hey, jealousy is out now. Uh, if you also want to find our older shit, we have an EP that we dropped back in 2021 called "Maybe Someday Will Bloom." If you're a slut for 80s shit, you'll love it. We also bang. have a full of bangers. We also have a split EP with the Silent Mile. Also has some good stuff on it. When the Fame Goes to Die also came out in 2021 too. That's been that was a great song to work on. Also really really interesting lyrically, um, and we've got more music on the horizon. So keep your eyes peeled. Okay, I got it. <laughs> hey, you know, if if if, That's if you're a- just go- no, you go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. That's please. some clockwork orange shit right there, man. Where's you now? You need to put in the fucking milk in your eye. Was it milk they put in their eyes? Or no, they drank drugged milk, right? Yeah. I don't fucking know. I didn't. I don't know. Care I gotta watch movies. some weird That's ass like movie right now, like this, like ah. <laughs> but as I bring this podcast to a close, let me end this with three very specific things. First, I mean, you guys just listened to this podcast we did with Silent Scenarios. And there was a lot to unpack here, especially in the first half when we talked about a lot of things with just different songs, the history of the band, a lot of that. Then went into the idea behind Sailmate. And then, of course, what I feel like is going to be the highlight of the podcast, everybody, is just the insane funny stories. And you're not going to want to miss out on anything with Sound Series, whatever they're coming out with. You're not going to want to miss out on the band. You're going to want to follow them on all social media platforms, find them on YouTube, you know, stream their music, buy music, buy some merch, whatever you can do. But instead of having to go search it up yourself, what I want you guys to do is take a look at the description of the podcast, whether on YouTube, Spotify, of a podcast, iHeartRadio, or Amazon. You're going to see a section that says, find sound and scenarios online. Links, labels, everything is there for you to do a one-click, one-stop shop. Click on it. It's going to take you to their Facebook page. Click it, Twitter. Click it, Instagram. Click it, YouTube. Click it, Spotify. Click it, Merge. All that stuff. So it's just going to be as easy access as possible. So you guys have no chance not to get into sound scenarios. Now, guys, that's the first part. Second part is... When I have guests in the podcast and I enjoy having the podcast, I tend to make a certain promise to those bands. And guys, there is no doubt in anybody's mind that you guys have definitely hit on this promise. So the promise does not start with if. If implies possibility of not happening. Promise starts with when, which means it's going to happen, but the date still to be determined. So when I get to see you guys perform live for the first time, my promise to you is this. First round's on me. Tyler, we'll get you something else in alcohol, though, because I know what you said earlier. We'll get you something, whatever you want. But, again, first round's on me. Hell, yeah. That's so far. Bro, we'll bring you backstage. We'll bring you fucking – you won't even have to pay for general admission. We got you. I'll I'll come backstage. I'll bring bring the White Claw, the Cranberry Juice, the Bacardi Limon, the lemon, which I'm making for you. That's that's all you need. Just bring that to the door guy and he'll be like, understood. And he'll bring it, he'll bring you backstage. We got you. We'll just make it known. And guys, the third thing is I cannot end this podcast in all good conscience with a goodbye for a number of reasons. One, the promise has been made, and I do not want to break my promises. Two, you guys have more music coming out, and I feel like we definitely need a part two to this podcast, so we're gonna fucking make it happen. So you guys are gonna be coming back in the podcast. I'm gonna get a chance to see life, so goodbye. Fuck no, it's not goodbye. Guys, this is See you later. See you later. Take it easy. Well, folks, that's my interview with Tyler and Brayden from the band Sounds and Scenarios. Again, I want to thank the guys for being on the podcast. This one was absolutely incredible, hysterical, funny. I mean, I fell out of my chair during that grease story. You got to be kidding me. That's fantastic. 
Also, when it comes to sound and scenarios, yes, you love the podcast, you love the insight, you love their storytelling, and you love the hilarity that you've heard of, absolutely you're going to want to know more about them. So you're going to want to follow along with them. Link scripts to the podcast or their social media accounts, where to stream the music, buy the music, buy some merch, and check them out so when they come to your area to play a live show, you know about it. Also, be sure to follow the Core Progression Podcast as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Core Progression Podcast on YouTube and stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Amazon. Whichever you prefer to get your podcast with, we got you covered right there. It helps out, helps us bring on even more incredible bands and more incredible stuff. Plus, you're going to want to know when the next podcast with Sound and Scenarios comes out in 2022. Because do you think we're going to do this again? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, we're doing this again. Are you kidding me? This is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. This was hysterical, insightful, everything you want in a podcast. Also, thank you to uh, Phoenix Fitness and Custom Debuts for the sponsorship on the podcast. I will see you guys next week. And on that note, that's going to be for me, guys. Thank you for watching listening to the Core Progression Podcast. And um, how do we end this again? My name is Kevin, and you guys know how I end every single one of the big, healthy, and hearty. See y'all!